Welcome to the LaughSpin.com podcast. Hey guys, what's up? It's Dylan Godino from LaughSpin.com and welcome to yet another episode of the LaughSpin podcast. If you are not a subscriber to the LaughSpin podcast, please Go subscribe. You could do it on the iTunes and SoundCloud or Stitcher. Go and do it, especially if you're a fan of comedy and knowing about what's going on in the comedy world via news and via interviews with great name comedians, which is something else we do. You'd be a fan of it. If you are a longtime subscriber, thank you so much. I appreciate that. This episode of the Laugh Spin podcast is a special one. This comes from Gilda's Laugh Fest in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh, while I was there during this 10-day event... I hosted three panels on comedy, all of which will be in podcast form, depending on when you listen to this. So search those out on our episode list. One panel had to do with social media technology and how it relates to comedy. One panel had to do with whether comedy has a broader mission. Does it exist just to make people laugh or is there something deeper there? And the last panel, which is what you're listening to now, is laughter and health and how comedy and laughter affects your psychological health and your physical health. And the reason we do this panel each year at Gilda's Laugh Fest is because it's Gilda's Laugh Fest. So all the proceeds of this 10-day comedy uh, laughter event extravaganza, if you will, goes to Gilda's Laugh Fest to Grand Rapids. There's there's Gilda's clubs all over the country, but this is uh, the one in Grand Rapids. What do we talk about? We talk about a lot of things, but in order to sort of explore this, the topic Effectively, we talked to somebody from Gilda's Club of Grand Rapids. We talked to a professor. We talked to a comedian. And we talked to, well, we actually talked to two comedians, one of which is a local Grand Rapids comedian, not only comedian, but is a is a cancer survivor. So a lot of great insight in this one. Really enjoyed moderating this panel. I thought it was educational. I thought it was helpful. And uh, at times, it's it's pretty funny. So I'm going to shut up, and uh, here we go. Stu McAllister, everybody. <laughs> Stu McAllister. Uh, as Stu said, my name is Dylan Godino. I run a website called LaughSpin.com. It is a it is a website that covers all things comedy from an editorial perspective, reviews, uh, uh, you know, all that good stuff. Uh, so I am here. This is the fifth year I'm here at Gilda's Laugh Fest. I am honored to be here. I am honored to uh, be moderating these panels. Um, this panel, uh, like Stu said, is the third of three, uh, and this one is called Laughter and Health. So we're going to explore a little bit uh, about the relationship between laughter and comedy and health uh, and uh, the benefits. They're all benefits, right? No detriments. I don't, I don't think there's any, nothing bad <laughs> can come. was Thursday. Yes, that was, <laughs> all the horrible things about uh, laughter was uh, Thursday. Um, what I'm going to do here is I'm going to let uh, our panelists introduce themselves, uh, and I would uh, love for uh, Wendy to start. Oh. All you, Wendy. Oh, thanks. Okay, so I'm Wendy Wigger, and I serve as president for Gilda's Club, Grand Rapids, and for Laugh Fest, and I've been with the organization for about five years and have kind of a mutt mix background with wellness, uh, disease prevention, health promotion, and um, communications and marketing, so... And Wendy, tell us a little bit about why why did you guys start Gilda's Laugh Fest five years ago? 
Yeah, that's that's a great question. Um, I think a lot of people left their heads scratching when they were like, what's a cancer and a grief organization doing starting a laughter festival? But in 2011, we were going to be celebrating our 10-year anniversary. So we started looking at what could we do to celebrate something in a really big way. And we started LaughFest for really five primary reasons. One was to celebrate 10 years at that time. Um, the second was we really wanted to increase awareness of who we are and what we do. Uh, we are a free cancer, grief, and emotional health support organization. And we wanted to get more people interested in, in learning about us. The third, we wanted to increase the dialogue around emotional health and the importance of emotional health, just like medical health, physical health, and all the other components. Uh, we um, knew if we threw a cancer and a grief festival, people probably weren't going to show up. So um, the other thing we wanted to do was to create some partnerships in the community. And we thought even as a small nonprofit that happens to be the largest Gildas Club um, active Gildas Club in the United States, that we felt like we could still make an economic difference in the community. So those were our primary goals. And in order to execute some of that, part of why we started LaughFest was as well, we thought, again, if you threw a cancer and a grief fundraiser, a festival, it was another thing that everybody else had done. But if we threw a laughter festival and we could get people to laugh, we could get them to listen. And so in the five years that we've been doing this, in the research that um, GVSU has done for us, we've seen increasing impact of people making the connection between Gilda's Club, Laugh Fest, emotional health, and it's just been a wow factor for all of us in terms of the outcome. So, Thank you, Wendy. And, and I just wanted to add, uh, five years ago when you know, I was first invited out here to, you know, to cover the festival, and, you know, I was told it was in Grand Rapids. It was 10 days. And I've told the story in years past, but it was 10 days. I thought you guys were insane uh, to try to do this for 10 we days. <laughs> I mean, I was like, I, I, I've been to a lot of comedy festivals. This is by far one of the best run festivals. You guys are very lucky uh, to have it here. Uh, so, you know, if you haven't gone to shows, definitely go to shows. Uh, you know, so I just I just wanted can, to I just wanted to put that out there. Can I make that. one comment sure. to that, Dylan? Thanks. Um, and I think that's one of the things that we've been very purposeful about is that we didn't want to be a comedy festival. We wanted to be a festival of laughter. And so the tagline, seriously funny. Obviously, there is a serious behind the funny in regards to the proceeds of the festival and where where um, what Gilda's Club does on a on a 365 day basis. But we also wanted people to have all things that can make people laugh. So not just the comedy, but that's why we had people in pets and Funderwear run last week and Kids Joke, as well as all the paid and incredible talent that we have here. It's also all of those other silly, funny, whimsical like that, things that we do <laughs> um, that really just make people smile and laugh. Great. Uh, Jason, tell us a little bit about yourself, buddy. Yes. Uh, let's see. I think I represent the stodgy academic on the panel here. <laughs> I am. Uh, my name is Jason Dibble, and I'm an associate professor in the Department of Communication, where I teach 13th through 16th grade at Hope College. Um, I teach courses on interpersonal communication. I do research in relationships and also humor. So uh, I'm glad to be involved with LaughFest, and I'm very lucky to be here. So thanks for uh, giving up your afternoons to join us. We're happy to have you. Uh, Lisa? 
Hi, um, I'm Aliza. I am a stand-up. This is my first year at the festival. It's been real fun. Uh, last night got crazy. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> Did you laugh though? Last night? I laughed a lot. Uh, it was great. I'm having a lot of fun. Um, I'm originally, I started stand-up in Chicago, and I just moved to New York in May. Um, yeah, and I'm really pumped to be here. And there's two more shows tonight that we're on. Thanks, Lisa. Yep. Last but not least, Brian. Can you tell the crowd a little bit about yourself? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm Brian B. Uh, I guess I'm up here for a couple of reasons. One, I, I have a weekly showcase show called the Sunday Night Funnies over at the Riverfront Hotel. And then also five years ago at this time, I had cancer. So I guess that's why I'm here. Yeah, let's, let's sort of start with that, uh, Brian. So... Five years ago, which is when Guild is uh, originally launched, um, tell us a little bit about what what you were experiencing. You know, first of all, if you if you don't mind uh, letting uh, you know people know, like what what exactly what type of cancer you had, and just how that that journey was, and, and how Laugh Fest fits in. Okay. Um cancer I had was called squamous cell carcinoma. It was in my, it started in the back of my throat and then went both sides of my neck. It was between stages three and four when it was diagnosed. And actually, I was going through treatment this time five years ago. So I, the timing was perfect for LAFS to have cancer. And uh, that was my winter of 2010, 2011 was radiation and chemo and just getting better. So. And did you... Uh, you, you you run this this comedy show. Did you continue to do comedy? Did you take a break? What was what was that process? I like? missed one show that was after my first uh, chemo, and uh, Stu filled in for me. But other than that, I, I didn't miss any shows. Uh, no matter how bad I felt, I mean, I lost all my hair, got down to one fifty, had radiation burns on my neck, but I was still there every Sunday night, and that was kind of like my relief from thinking about having cancer was putting on the show and doing the show and taking my mind off of it for a couple hours. So right. when I was there, uh, anybody was at Patton, Patton Oswalt's show last night, I was talking about how the, when you're sick and you get on stage, the adrenaline kind of kicks in and gets your mind off of your illness. And that's what kind of happened with me was when I was up on stage, I forgot about having cancer for a couple hours. So Yeah. Yeah, it's a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing. Um, now, I mean, part of... What we're what we what I also want to talk about up here is you know we always we always hear that oh laughter's good for you you know you could burn calories laughing or you know it's it, it's it's always said very anecdotally like of course laughter is good for you it's that laughter can't be bad for you you know uh, unless you have like broken ribs and like you can't laugh because it hurts but uh, I, I would love for Wendy to to sort of talk a little bit about um, not just the anecdotal. Uh, proof that laughter is is good for you, but you know there's there's actual clinical proof, right? Yeah, there there is a lot of clinical proof out there, and it's just um, one of those things that we know. Um, laughter increases your respiratory system, increases your heart rate, increases your immune system. There's a number of chemical things that actually happen when we laugh. I love uh, Norman Cousins' quote. He's he's uh, known for saying, laughter is like internal jogging, so those of us that hate to exercise can <laughs> laugh. Um, so there's a lot of health benefits to laughter. And when you think about it, people will often say, that I, I laughed so hard I started to cry, or I was crying so hard and then I started to laugh. It is an emotional 
release in a lot of ways. And so if you just look at the, that as a benefit as well, I think the thing that's interesting when we look at like emotional health, um, there's research that's done that shows that physical pain registers in the same part of the brain as emotional pain does. And yet when you look at physical pain, if I walked in here and somebody came in on crutches or a broken arm, I can say, oh, you've got a broken arm. That must hurt when that happened. But if somebody's walking in with a broken heart, that is not necessarily visible, but it's still registering and being um, kind of processed through the body in the very same way. And so when you look at not only the, the health benefits of laughter, but also the impact of pain, emotional, physical, or otherwise, I think there's a lot that laughter really works in that recipe of what is it, what are different ways that we can use as a release in a way of keeping ourselves navigating through some of life's toughest stuff and journeys. And I think that's one thing our namesake, Gilda Rander, found out with her cancer diagnosis was um, that when she lost her funny, being able to connect with other people in a like environment that got it, people that understood her, you could find that smile and laughter back even when you're dealing with some of that tough stuff. And like you said, Brian, it's just kind of like that that ability to um, go beyond just that moment of this really sucks right now. What are what are some of the things you know when people um, visit Gilda's Club? What are what are some of the things you guys either do or say or or just enact to kind of instill in people uh, that you know all's not lost or that you you know it's it's important to to move on yeah well i don't know if there's anything you can say or instill i think the the philosophy at gilda's club and and gilda radner brought was really um accepting people where they're at and it's not about us telling you what you should do or feel or how you should act or or get over it if it's again we do both cancer and grief and it's not just um cancer related grief but grief of any kind it's really allowing people to be the um, navigator of their own life, but giving them support and through that and giving them some uh, maybe different ways of looking at things, if you will. But it's not about us telling people what to do, what to do or how to do it, but rather being there to um, give them the support, really, based on what it is that they need at that time. Yeah. And I think, that, I think that's really important that you're not, uh, like you said, it's not about you know, right. it's just it's just about being there and, and listening to people. Well, and I think the thing is, is that if you get a cancer diagnosis, it's normal to be depressed. I mean, those are things that are normal. It's not like we need to pathologize certain types of, of things. But again, and I'm not saying that there's not uh, room for mental health and for people that might be going through some of that tough stuff. I'm not diminishing that. But I think that, that the acceptance for us, for a culture, we're so... Um, push a button here, but we're, we're so used to, I think, um, wanting to not talk about that stuff. I think it's less and less now that people are afraid of, say, the C word. I mean, cancer is is, di- is talked about quite a bit here, but there's a lot of stuff that we still don't feel comfortable, and it's like, I don't know what to say to people. I don't know how to deal with it. We really have our program is for family and friends and, and kids and the person that's on the cancer or grief journey so that we can, again, it's something about bringing people together in a like, like space or place. Um, I'm going to steal a quote from P.J. Walsh, who's a comedian who was here again this year, and he uh, performed last weekend, and he did a um, uh, presentation as well. And forgive me, P.J., if I don't say it 
exactly the right way. But he said, laughter is the surprise recognition that we're not alone. He said, you could be in a room full of strangers, and when there's laughter, there is an instant connection amongst people. And I think there's something very to be said about very healing, supportive, when you can bring people together in that kind of an environment. Yeah. Lisa, I'm, I'm sort of interested to know when you're, I mean, you're, you're the only performer, uh, not the only performer, you're one of two stand-ups uh, up here. Um, are you at all conscious while you're performing that you're not just making people laugh superficially, but there's, you know, you're, you're, you're doing something to bring people together and, and you know, you're, you're healing? Um, no, I really don't <laughs> think about it that often. Yeah, um, I mostly talk about, like, drugs and uh, sex so that's not my initial um, thought but when you know I've been doing this now for six years and you do get messages from people that um, are really into it and like they say nice things and um, you realize that people are going through stuff so what I am really conscious about is um, because a lot of times as a stand-up you go into an environment if it's like like a light show or you're like oh my god everyone's old or um, just like <laughs> the demographics not what you're used to or envir- oh they're not turning the TVs off there's just like so many elements that can like put a damper on like oh fuck I have to perform right now um, and what I like to remember is like you don't know what, like why people are there and what they need from the show and so no matter what I do try to like I don't half-ass any of my sets and I give the people that are there like all my funny that I have um, because you don't know, yeah, they could be really sad or depressed or going through something and they're there. So instead of focusing on who's not there or all the bad things, I do definitely try to give the best show I can to the people that showed up. Have you, uh, you know, personally speaking, have you sort of found, you know, not that you started stand-up to heal some, you know, wound or, or whatever, but have you found it uh, therapeutic at all? I mean, because I'm, I was going to do this panel, I was thinking about a lot of stuff. I mean, I started when I was 21, which is pretty young. And before I was 21, I had been arrested like three times. I was a mess. You know, I was just like drinking nonstop, doing so many drugs. Like, I like thinking about what my parents probably were thinking. Like, oh, no, we've raised a monster. Like, our daughter's out of control. And then immediately when I started stand up, like my whole life made sense. Because um, I, I changed colleges three times. I changed my major all the time. I, I like, was grasping for anything. Um, I really was, I couldn't figure out what I was supposed to be doing. And then when I started stand-up, just everything made sense. And it really mellowed me out in so many different ways. I, like, me and my sister started getting along more. I wasn't, because I knew, yeah, I would judge her a lot because she was married and had kids. I'm like, you're a loser. Um, and then when I found something I loved so much and like what's sacrificed all these other aspects of my life to do, I began to appreciate her journey and like what she does for her family and her job and stuff. So like it really made me a better person knowing what I'm supposed to be doing and like being happy that I'm doing something every day and just like right. following what I want to do. So yeah, it made me... You know, I haven't been arrested since, and uh, <laughs> I think I've become a better friend. And also with stand-up, um, I think it helped me be a better communicator, too, because the whole thing with stand-up is being as honest as possible on stage. For me, like what you said, uh, that PJ's quote is so perfect, where, like, you're talking about things that, for me, like, are embarrassing, or I'm like, I can't believe I'm going to say this on stage. And then when people laugh, you're just like, 
awesome. You know, everyone's experiencing that. So because I have to be honest on stage, it made me more honest and a better communicator in life. And so it like grew a lot of my friendships and relationships as well. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Jason, as as the academic here, uh, what what are some of the? I mean, what are, what are some of the things you've noticed uh, between the relationship of, of comedy and uh, communication and and mental health? Um, well, everything Wendy said is backed up by the data. Um, everything Lisa was just saying is backed up by the data. One of the things that I'm always struck by too is. Um, is the notion that humans are hardwired for laughter and it's part of your DNA. And I always, um, I like to focus on the health benefits because sometimes you'll hear, you'll get resistance from people say, well, I can't be funny or I can't, I can't laugh. Only about 11% of your laughter in any given day is the result of canned jokes. So what the professionals are doing is only a small slice of your daily laughter. The rest just comes from weird absurdities that happen in your given day, just the goofy crap that comes up, and we laugh at it. And what's more, laughter is contagious. So I love the quote about it's the recognition that you're not alone because when you laugh or when you experience laughter, somebody else laughs too. It's contagious. So by definition, laughter is also communication. And we can use laughter to not to literally promote physical health and the physiological changes in your body, but also social health. It lubricates the situations, lubricates the rough spots. It says, hey, I'm on your team. I'm not an enemy. We're playing here, and we can work through this weird stuff together. Is there, uh, is there practical advice you can give to people to sort of promote more laughter? I guess this is for Wendy and, and Jason. Like, is, are there, like, you know, I'm thinking of, like, you know, what a doctor would say, sure. not that you guys are doctors, but what a doctor would say, like, well, if... one of us is. <laughs> a medical doctor. Not a real doctor. A medical doctor. I mean, I'm not a professional, but I, for me, like, yeah, open your eyes. Get off your phone. People are ridiculous, and they look silly, and they're doing dumb shit, and, like... Yeah, get off your phone, look around. You're going to want to make fun of someone, and <laughs> it's going to make you feel good. You know, I just feel like <laughs> being open to... Because I have to, you know, write material all the time. You have to write new stuff, and, like, it's 90% true. And yeah. so, for me, it's just like, yeah, look up, look, and you're going to find something <laughs> enjoyable to laugh at. I think that's great. That's great advice. My recommendation was going to be get out of your body's way and just let it do what it does. Um, babies are born knowing how to laugh. You learn to laugh before you learn to talk. Um, and even children who are born both blind and deaf know how to laugh and how to do so appropriately. They will laugh at the right times. So your body already knows how. Just get out of your way. Put the phone down. <laughs> Brian or Wendy, any, any kind of practical advice you can offer? to sort of foster that laughter? I really appreciate what you said because I do think that there's that that, um, kind of picking your head up and looking around. I mean, last night there was an event that they had at Gilda's Club called What's So Funny About That? There was about 140 people there. I don't know. Were you there? Okay. And I heard it was awesome. And, you know, there was 140 people that took the stage and they shared not necessarily their jokes, although some of the little kids did, but they shared their cancer stories and the funny stuff that happened on their cancer journey or on their um, grief journey. And it is kind of looking through a different lens. 
to be able to see what what things can make you smile or can make you laugh, even the things that might make you feel uncomfortable, which I think is part of what does create some of that laughter, is that put it bringing you to that edge. So you know, I think that's that's a really good, important part of it, and and we're not always so open to that side because it's like. Ooh, should I really be laughing about this, or should I be really talking about this? But I'm, there's some pretty funny cancer stories that are happening around there. Yeah, there's oh, so sorry. sorry. There's just so many like as people bad emotions that happen. You know, like guilt, shame, embarrassment, like all mm-hmm. these things. And as like as soon as you stop taking yourself so seriously and these experiences and start talking about it, it just like takes so much bad energy out of your mm-hmm. life. You know, just um, being able to like. Yeah, not take things seriously. And just being authentic. Yeah. I think that's I think that's part of the being comfortable enough to let down the guard and, and being authentic and sharing some of that. Brian, did you start did you do you currently or did you talk about your cancer journey while it was happening in your uh, stand up? The whole routine? time because the people who come out to the Sunday Night Funny saw what I was going through. Right. Yeah, you know, crazy if you didn't mention part, yeah, part. You know, <laughs> like, losing all my hair, Is that kind of losing not all my talk about yeah. uh, <laughs> You know, it was and it, it was funny because when I was waiting for the results from the biopsy, I thought, well, the first thing I thought of was like, well, if I have cancer, at least it's going to be a source of material for me. And that might sound really weird, but that was kind of like my way of dealing with it, or it was my way of saying, well, if I say that, that means I won't have, it won't be cancer. Right. Maybe, you know. But then when it was diagnosed, it's like, okay, well, here we go. And it, it was, it was a good source of material. I mean, even... Stu complimented me on some of the stuff I said, and those of us who know Stu know that he doesn't hand out a lot of compliments. Yeah, he's and uh, <laughs> um, it just—it was from my experiences on stage and just talking to people. Like uh, when it was when the doctor told me it was squamous cell carcinoma, I mentioned that to a friend of mine, and he goes, "I think that's what my dog has because he has a little dachshund that yeah. growth under its tongue." Yeah, you know, and. I go, well, maybe I'll go to a veterinarian for treatment. <laughs> you know, maybe it'll be cheaper, or at least I'll be, get a treat for being a good boy. You right. know? <laughs> and uh, one of the shows, I was talking about it. I have to stand up for this one. Um, there's, you have regulars that come out to Sunday Night Funnies, and they sit in the same spot all the time or whatever. And I was talking about it on stage, and then after the show, this lady come up to me, and she goes, how much longer do you have? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, uh-huh, I'm not going to die. But I, what I should have said was, well, thanks for reminding me. Ten, nine. <laughs> you know. And then just drop to the floor. <laughs> yeah, I thought about doing it. Yeah, just keel over and, you know. Andrew, Andrew, you will. Yeah. It just, it's just weird stuff comes out of it, you know, and there's stuff you can't make up. Did you ever feel the, the audience kind of tighten up when you started talking about oh, your yeah. cancer? Oh, yeah, they go real quiet. Because they're like, oh, where's he going with this? You know, is it a bit or is it, you know, I mean, they look at me like, well, obviously not a bit, you know, but they're not used to certain subjects. And yeah. that was one that's like, should I laugh at this? Right. Or, you know. And then you have to sort of subtly give them permission yeah, to yeah. laugh. Yeah, because it's like, at it. I'm making fun of it. Right, like, I'm talking about it. It's okay. But. And I've had comics that do my show. One guy goes, it's all right if I talk about it. But yeah, go ahead, you know. Have fun with it. I'm, you know, I want to show it. I'm the boss. I, it's not the boss. I'm the boss. So. Right. Can I ask Brian a question? Absolutely. I was just going to ask because you got me curious. Now I'm wondering, Brian, is there any? Can you think of a joke in particular that was especially therapeutic for you? Uh, I like that. You keep coming back to one. Something I come up with, or just 
something, something, something you heard, something you came up with, or just one that resonates with you and has healing power for you. That he um, wrote, or that somebody else? Any. One of each. Boy, I Jeez, I don't know. I or we can come back to you. I just let me let me think about, think about, it, think about it. it. I'll think blurt about it out it. later, like I have Tourette's. I also wanted to mention if you guys have any questions or comments throughout, we can we can keep it loose. If you have something to say, you could raise your hand and and ask a panelist a question. Or yes, sir, go ahead. Are there any uh, comedic outreach efforts, much like, say, a visiting angel, but a visiting comic, where you're going out into the hospitals, you're hired by Spectrum, there's a group of people there that maybe can't get to Gilda's Club, but are in need of some laughter, that you would go and it's to be like Patch Adams, but yeah, he's yeah. doesn't he have a he has well, we had, an organization? Yeah, like Patch was here two years yeah, ago. Yeah, actually, he's um, he's a bit of a curmudgeon, actually. <laughs> but you know, I mean, if, if you've been doing what he's been trying to do for as many years, I I mean that in the the dearest, most respectful way because I met him when he was on the very. Uh, in the 80s when he first started Gazunheit Institute and he's been continuing on that mission and vision and he's just it's awesome so he is fun and he actually went to Spectrum but it's so interesting you brought that up because I had somebody ask me I don't know in the 10 days somewhere where I meandered here somebody said we really need to have this a piece of this a sliver of this come into the rest home and they said what if we had a gathering of people during the day because these people can't get out and they need it too. And it was like an aha moment for me. I was like, okay, no, 2016, what do we do? Because I, I, there is a population that, um, that is deserving and needing of the lighter side of, of things um, as well. So I don't know if a traveling team. I, it, I mean, comment, like, we're pretty desperate. We'll perform anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, do, we'll go. Um, I performed at a nursing home once in the middle of the day. They pay in Metamucil. You gotta, I mean, you I gotta know. I didn't do well. But um, I, yeah, well, that's the thing with comedy. And this is off topic, is like every experience is like a new thing that you've never done before. So I'd go back to a nursing home. I feel like I learned uh, how to get better. Like, how to handle it more, but some old woman came up to me afterwards and she's like, I mean, do you need some jokes? Because I'll tell you some. <laughs> and then she gave me some fun jokes. But yeah, comics will go anywhere. I just think about like the VA, you think about time rest, you think about spectrum of cancer patients, you think about people that really need laughter in their lives. Yeah. They might not be able to get here this week or to build this right. place but um, you, you, sort of like a, a USO for for yeah, uh, yeah. that's uh, that's a great idea and I, and I will tuck that one away as as an idea for the future because it is there are a lot of those population groups you just triggered for me like I said and um, I didn't mean to ditch patch at all because he's an awesome person and he, we did do some stuff at spectrum but what was interesting there's a little I don't know if anybody saw it was a community showcase and I can't remember what day of the week it is so it must have been last week um, young woman named or young woman young girl saffron ring about oh, yeah. anybody you saw her? Okay. Show too. so saffron came up for a free community showcase Last year, she was nine years old last year. She writes her own material. Her dream is to be a stand-up. Um, this is not one of these kids that's up there doing, like, just cute, sweet little jokes. I mean, she's got some good material. And when she came up last year, she actually somehow made a connection with a young 
a young, um, similar age gal that was in for cancer treatment and went to did a personal visit and had some time in terms of connection there. She actually came back this year. Her parents brought her up again. She performed on the same community showcase. Uh, she was, I got a picture afterwards if anyone sees it. She's 10 now. And on the same showcase as the guy that's a... Uh, Marty? Yeah, Marty, who's an 85-year-old retired physician. 74. Filthy, filthy. Oh, no, you're talking about... No, the guy guy. that was in the wheelchair that was just... Okay. Oh, my God. I was like, like, we'll move Saffron out of the room for a minute here. (laughs) Her parents like, yeah, yeah, okay, now she can go back in. Um, But it just was really kind of fun to see all ages to be able to make that connection as well. So I appreciate your comment, and we'll definitely tuck that away. And if others have a connection we can bring folks out and you can do the second round yeah i mean just that yeah i mean that's like a thing now that i'm thinking about like where like what to do because you want to like i know a lot of comics um donate to a lot of different places but it i don't tour that much like i'm still a young comic but the idea of like going if you're have a weekend at a in a city and then maybe during the day going to a hospital or like a shelter or something um like that and yeah, like helping local every time you go somewhere. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's a good idea because yeah. when I was going through chemo, they had a woman go around and she was uh, with the ministry and wanted Sister to talk Sue? to you about. Well, yeah. Yeah. And she's great, but, you know, I'm not a religious person. And I was thinking, well, it'd be great to have somebody go around, you know, entertaining people while they're having chemo. I mean, you have a captured audience and they're too weak to walk out on you. So, uh, <laughs> can't muster clap, though. But uh. Well, that's what, uh, if anybody's familiar with uh, Robert Schimmel's story, that's it was kind of the opposite. He he wrote that he would, yeah. he would be getting chemo and he would be... Yeah. You know, making all the nurses and the doctors laugh. So, yeah, it would have been nice for someone to, to entertain Robert. Um, does anybody else have any comments or questions? Do you guys want to talk about anything, share a story? No? I was just going to say, like, with um, comedy, like, so many comics do struggle with me- mental health mm-hmm. issues and um, drug and alcohol and stuff. And we, Chicago, uh, lost a comic this past summer. And after the funeral, I wasn't able to make it, but they had, um, they like did a show where they uh, all read his sketches and showed a lot of his videos and all the stuff that he was working on. And then his sister and everyone went up and told stories and kind of roasted him um, and did his jokes and stuff. And it was very therapeutic to everyone um, in Chicago that, you know, all the comics and his friends and stuff. So I know as a comic, like, it really helps us deal with it because unfortunately there's just like a lot of loss in our community. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Well, I no. think this, if I can just plus onto that, yeah, I think the, the death of Robin Williams this year too mm-hmm. really brought to light for a lot of folks. I mean, we talked about it when it occurred, we kind of had to step back and say, okay, from a festival standpoint, what do you, how do you honor that and how do you recognize it? Um, in terms of some of the it's you know it's that that journey of stuff some of the tough stuff that we don't feel comfortable with and and where does it bring us versus having these kinds of healthy emotionally healthy ways of dealing with um disease and and diagnosis and such and so that was something that we actually thought you know do we add that to the panel um and when we chose not to and yet just to look at that space and i know last year we had somebody that was on the panel a um, artist uh, said that he 
his aha was he said, you know, sometimes I recognize that I may be the only smile or laugh that person has had that whole week. That he was doing more than just performing, um, but realizing that what he was doing was even at a at that professional level of because everybody's profession is different. He was delivering things that were giving people a break from whatever it is that they were facing and um, divorce, whatever the case might be. So that was just really interesting. And I know with, with Robin Williams' death, there was a lot of, for a while there, it seemed like there was a lot of talk and, and look at that um, depression and, and um, disease. And then it kind of settles down again because it's like we're not going to talk too much about that. So it was interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it is interesting, and, and, and when that happened, I, I'm, I'm always, I'm still surprised by, you know, comments like when, when Robin Williams, you know, uh, when, when, when that news came out, I'm always surprised when people say like, oh, he, he had so much, he had his kids, he had his career, I'm, I'm still shocked by how many people don't understand, like, how depression works, like, mm-hmm. all of that stuff you see, like... It doesn't matter to that person. That person wakes up and believes he's a failure, that he's no good, that he doesn't deserve to go on. And I think that I think the disconnect happens because there isn't enough talking about, you know, mental health and, and depression. And you know, I think in 2015, I'm just I'm just still floored by, like when I heard he killed himself, I wasn't I was sad of course i was sad but i wasn't shocked like he had talked about depression before he, you know you know so i just i just think it's 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 valuable commentary on you know we still have a long way to go mm-hmm. as far as mm-hmm. you know talking about depression and mental health and uh, I want to mention uh, yeah. Jamie Masada, who owns the Laugh Factory. Um, there's like two in California, one in Chicago. Um, but in one of the locations, he has a therapist upstairs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't know how many times a week, but comics can go and uh, talk to the therapist. Oh, wow. So, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know how often, but Brody Stevens in his mm-hmm. docuseries on Comedy Central uh, went and you kind of see that and they tape it but like you hear the show happening downstairs and he's doing his therapy upstairs but so Jamie Masada you know takes it seriously and is giving comics because they probably don't have health insurance and stuff um, a place to go to therapy that's awesome yeah I think that's part of what for us when we started the festival was again trying to increase awareness of the importance of emotional health and and you know to be able to normalize the discussions so some of the programming that we do in the in the schools isn't just about cancer or grief but it's really giving kids healthy emotional skills so that regardless of what they're navigating that that's tough um, defined by them that that there's healthy things that they know how to because there's so many unhealthy ways that we know because we don't we just shove it down and you just try to say okay I'm not going to talk about it I'm not going to acknowledge it so I think that's where the um, the opportunities for a festival like this for those difficult things like a Robin Williams um, death, suicide, things of that sort is another opportunity for us to say, okay, let, how do we talk about it then versus shove it away and pretend like it doesn't exist? And so I'm, it's exciting to hear like something like that is happening as well. I was going to say I appreciate your bringing up this angle, too, because um, from a public standpoint, these are two things that we often don't think about as going together. It doesn't make intuitive sense that you're the funny guy. How can you be depressed? You know, besides just the fact that you've got it all, but you're the funny guy. Funny people are happy. They have to be. 
you can't so it doesn't go together that you know it's not intuitive that these people are suffering mental illnesses so i really appreciate that you brought up that angle because so far we've been talking about laughter and health from the perspective of if we make you laugh then we'll make you feel better but what about the funny people who are struggling inside i mean the expression tears of a clown exists for a reason Mm. (laughs) yeah very good point very very good point anybody have anything to say no yes sir Nothing as big as you know cancer or, or illness or anything. It, it, I do it just to keep me, like you were saying, just kind of keep me thinking and happy and, and everything like that. Nothing to to, to to get over serious depression or anything like that, but just to kind of keep my mind fresh, keep things doing fun, so that I don't get to that point. Mm-hmm. I think that's great. That's that's great. Yeah, and and I think that's important. You don't. There doesn't need to be some some tangible huge obstacle like. I, I think it's great. I think more people, I mean, you, you have embraced an art form to just keep you sane, to just keep your brain active and, and you know, there's, uh, I, I think it's great. I, I think that's great. Yes? Yeah, I was just going to make a comment. Um, my mom, like two years ago, uh, was diagnosed with breast cancer. She's a survivor, but ever since she's been going to like Gilda's Club, she's been coming back happy and stuff. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to make that comment. So. Thank you. Yeah. It's, it's so, kind uh, of a, a, a standpoint, um, you know, I think it's really healthy what you're doing, trying to, you know, promote that in the universities. And it's almost like, you know, you, you can take a class on physics and you should be able to take a class on laughter, you know, and um, I think of Leo Biscaglia, the guy that the professor that he was the hugging professor and he was promoting love. And it was mm-hmm. like a class on love, you know, people have forgotten just um, some of the small little treasures of emotion and life that you know you're so focused on you know I've got to get through this you know thermodynamics or whatever it is and you don't pay attention to life and whether it's hugging or laughing and what we could do in the schools in the colleges you know and there's so much stress anyway you think of you know now with everything that's going on in the world and, and people getting well, I don't want to go there because it's pretty impressive, but I applaud that, and I hope that more of the universities and colleges around the nation um, have Thank you. That's a great comment, actually. Um, I love that you brought in hugging, too, because um, there's a, a rich literature now. Communication researchers are studying hugging and laughing. This isn't just doing trust falls and singing kumbaya at summer camp kind of stuff. It's There are real tangible benefits and real tangible measurable outcomes in terms of one's physiology. Um, it's so much so now it's taken up there are academic journals now where people are researching and doing and they're publishing humor studies. There's a journal called Humor now. It's the International Journal of Humor Studies. And so you've got people from all across Um, different methodologies and different fields all publishing in these same um, central outlets now so that everybody can get the word out. So it's definitely caught storm. There is an outlet for that kind of stuff, and I appreciate that you like it. (laughs) Yes? Um, They also have a, like, there's like a a professor in um, in India that has people meet in the morning, and they all, they fake laugh. They have to fake laugh until they start genuinely laughing. Mm-hmm. So like they'll all like make faces at each other and can like and there's like probably like sixty or seventy people that all meet up at this one place 
just and that's how they start the day. They have to mm-hmm. be up at eight o'clock in the morning, and they all get there, and they have to start fake laughing at each other <laughs> until they start genuinely doing that. And they've conducted like like everybody in that like colony or whatever has been like their quality of life has been improving um, based on the fact that they're getting that that dose of endorphins at the beginning of the day. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, and there is something to be said about uh, hugging and stuff. Like I'm a hugger. I fucking hug people if they don't want me. <laughs> 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 Most of my friends are depressed, and uh, 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 whatever, take it. Take my love, my affection, you know. And you know what? And sometimes I get a smile out of them or something like that. But it's uh, comedy is is I think it kind of makes depressed people because you get such a huge rush uh, on stage that, and I totally get why so many comics do drugs. I totally understand, you know, um, because there's nothing that can really match that mm. level that high there's nothing like it like there literally is nothing like it yeah. ever you know and um and then what happens what happens right after the show you meet everybody and then you're isolated and then that's it from being bombarded with uh people uh in the social setting to being absolutely and utterly alone and that that's a kind of a mind fuck you know what mm-hmm. i mean so i always uh think it's very important to like create camar- camaraderie with it i mean i know we're playing an individual sport so to speak but um, it's, I think it's very important that we have camaraderie. And like I always, anytime I'm in a, in a city and I know any other comics that are going to be there, I try to organize all of us to get together. You know what I mean? You got to be proactive. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it, takes a, it takes a lot of effort yep. to not be depressed all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I, I appreciate Thank your, you. your comment. I don't have the stats in front of me, but there's actually a research. My grandmother, who's no longer with us, um, brought this to me one time years and years ago. She said that there was this article that said you need at minimum seven hugs a day to sustain your health. If you had more than seven, then your health was improving. If it was less than that, then you're going downhill. And so my grandmother was the short little Italian woman that would run around and hug everybody too as well. So, um, But she wanted to stay healthy. She lived to be 93. Um, mm-hmm. But I love what you said too because one of the things that we get from some of the artists here from Laugh Fest has been feedback of the ability for the connection that occurs for the, those of you that are the artists taking the stage. And um, was it Kathleen Madigan? I can't remember. Somebody said, I love coming back here because it feels like comedy camp for me mm-hmm. because it is that chance to be able to be, to your analogy, analogy of being part of the team and being able to connect with other people while you were here. And for us, it's like, it's such a treat to be able to see whether it's volunteering, if it's the... Uh, performers, if it's the um, Gildas Club members, if it's the community at large, how everybody, you throw the stone in the pond and how everybody's getting a piece of this ripple effect of the benefit of that laughter and emotional health and such. So um, keep hugging. Yeah. Keep hugging. <laughs> you might be both happy to know that the data says that you get the same health benefits whether you receive or give the hug. Ooh, so sometimes you can on. just go up and say, you know what, I need to give a hug right now. <laughs> whether you get them or get them. Oh. Yeah. Look, look that one up for me, all right? <laughs> well, you got to be wearing a weird thing. Like we got to be wearing shark suits, like left shark suits and hugging at the same time. <laughs> For those that don't know, we kick out the festival trying to uh, break a world record, and we, you know, we had four world records in a row this year. We tried, we didn't make it, but you know, what how many? It? This year we tried to have the most people wearing paper crowns at one time. <laughs> we had to move the event from outside to inside, so I don't know. We've got 
four champion rings. You know How many Super Bowls can you have? We have list. Yeah. No, it's so well. And by the way, I wanted I wanted to say something about that slightly off topic. We had five in a row. <laughs> you guys, uh, the 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 PR firm you guys use are, are are great, and you guys send out press releases whenever you guys do something great. I love the fact that you guys sent we out failed. a press release. Saying, yeah, we, did, we didn't do it. And it got picked up by the Associated Press. So how many it, people though. fail at a world record and still get national news? Laugh Fest made it happen. If, <laughs> if I was running that, that PR firm, I'd be like, all right, well, we're not going to, we just want to address this. You guys sent out a press release. <laughs> like, but yeah, we screwed up. We failed. Yeah, yeah. But no, it's... It's yeah, good. we That's did. Right. Well, and the, exactly the right. fun thing was, and, and forgive me because I know we have media cool. friends in the, it was, we have media friends in the audience here too. The fun thing was, was um, the paper headline was Laugh Fest Fails. So on the first day of this year for our 10-day kickoff, <laughs> you're starting out Laugh Fest Fails, that. and I'm like, oh, isn't that special? <laughs> but if you read the article, and you read the article, and you looked at the pictures, all you saw were, you know, about 500 people having the best time ever in comments where the people said we came out here with our kids we don't care if we got a record it was just something fun to do we had um, family last year that came down from Canada just to participate in a world record Mm -hmm. attempt so it's not you know but it was one of those moments where you open the paper like oh that's not good (laughs) and that's 500 people that's like nothing to sneeze at yeah yeah you had a question over here had your hand up Um, if you've ever heard of, uh, it started out of uh, Manhattan and Manhattan, California, cuddle parties. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I'm actually, uh, my girlfriend came back from a cuddle party. She's up in California. She said, you're going to Manhattan and you're going to learn how to do cuddle parties. So I spent a week in Manhattan to become a cuddle party facilitator. Nice. <laughs> Fun of me, Brian. Don't so, uh, a professional big spoon or little spoon? <laughs> <laughs> Switch spooner. Uh, one of their, um, uh, for, you know, one of their things is it's it's not therapy, but it's very therapeutic, you know. And I uh, I I know Reed, the guy who actually started it, owns the rights to it and everything. And I actually I actually have an email from him. I was talking to him, and I said, Yeah, I'm doing comedy now. And he says, Oh, throw anything you can about cuddle parties in your comedy. Get the word out. I have document of this guy giving me okay to do this. And I'm like, and the thing is, not really. I can't think of anything funny. (laughs) If you want data, I can help you out there. (laughs) Well, and yeah, really connect because some of you may know we have well after yoga as part of Laugh Fest. And that has been, there's been, you been? Are you? Okay. So have fun because it is kind of that same of getting people together and doing stuff. It's not like the, you know, what do they call it? I don't know. I don't do yoga. So all the little special positions and stuff it's really it's more about laughing and the downward dog yeah that's what i was like okay something like this i don't know i like happy Uh, baby yeah (laughs) but it is and it's getting people laughing and we actually have some um yoga laughter yoga certified folks on our staff now we could possibly do a cuddle party thing as part of laugh us next year so we better talk Wow. And have fun at left. Yeah. yeah I, you can pick out the pillows. But I mean, I yeah. Can, so let's talk. So we'll and have fun at laughter yoga. Yeah. Hugs for the world record. Right? Biggest <laughs> cuddle. I mean, it sounds like my nightmare. <laughs> I'm sorry, say that again. <laughs> it does happen. <laughs> it does happen. 
We have uh, time for one more comment, question from the audience, if you're... No? We're good? Did Does Brian think of his joke? I, 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 oh, it wasn't yeah. really a joke, but a funny thing that happened. Go for it. It was like really... Uh, when I was going through chemo one day, it was towards the end of one of the, the bags. They hang up bags, and you're there for like five, six hours, and you're just sitting there watching TV. And it was towards the end, and all of a sudden, I, I started to shake a little bit. And so they throw another blanket on you, and I started shaking more. And it got to the point where my legs were bouncing, my teeth were chattering. I was having a reaction to the chemo. And I know it was getting bad because they put a part, you're in a room with a lot of other people, and they put a partition between me and the person across from me, so that's how I knew it was going bad. So they came up, it was a couple of nurses, and they were trying to decide how much of the steroid to give me to calm me down. I was, well, should we give them five milligrams or should we give them 10 milligrams? And I just said, just give me the whole damn thing. <laughs> you know, and I don't, you know, I just said under my breath, I just want this shit to end. Just, right, yeah. I don't care how much you give me, you can all deem me on it, just make this stop. <laughs> So that was, you know, that, to me, I mean, now it was kind of funny, you yeah. know, but back then it wasn't. But, uh, and I remember I came in to visit them once when I was going in for a checkup, and they said, yeah, we didn't think you were going to make it. I'm like, oh, I didn't know it was that severe, wow. you know, where, yeah. you know. So, I mean, that now, it, you know, I, I guess it showed I had a humor about it, even though I'm bouncing around this chair like Linda Blair. And just give me the whole dosage, you know. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. So. Well, it is interesting. I, I think people, this is, if you haven't been to Gilda's Club before, this is your personal invitation. We're only about two miles up the street. We will have some um, open tours going on there, 1806 Bridge Street. And I think a lot of times people go there and they're like, it's not what I thought it was going to be. And I said, well, what did you think? And I think a lot of people think it's going to be dark, depressing, and just... And it's nothing like that. And probably one of the most hurt emotions there. I mean, there are Kleenex boxes in every room, don't get me wrong. But one of the most hurt emotions there is laughter. Because you give people that place and space to connect. And they can feel like it's okay to laugh even on a cancer journey or when they, somebody they love have, has died. And the um, what's so funny about cancer, I still remember the one... Um, oh my gosh, I can't remember her name now. Um, she un she unfortunately did die of her cancer of uh, about 38, and she was telling the story of the family went on a vacation, they went swimming, and her breast fell out. I mean, the prosthetic, and it was floating through the pool, and the whole family's swimming vigorously after trying to catch this breast that was floating. Because she's like, that's really expensive, you know. <laughs> and it was just one of those things where most, you know, some people would have been horrified. And, yeah, there was a bit of being horrified. But at the same time, it was just one of those moments that she said, yeah, this was the funniest thing. And the kids are like, Mom, don't tell the story about the breast, okay? It was floating in the pool. We were really embarrassed. But it's just the things that the way that they were able to find humor in, in that kind of stuff. And those are still those memories that they still bring up, too. So it is an opportunity to give permission to laugh at yourself as well. Well, I think we're going to stop there. Thank you guys so much for coming. Thank you to our panelists for participating. Hope you enjoyed it, guys. Thank you to Dylan for moderating. Oh, yes. come on now. And there you have it, guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to email me, you can do so at Dylan, D-Y-L-A-N, at LaughSpin.com. Thank you to my panelists. Thank to, uh, thanks to everyone at Gilda's Club in Grand Rapids. Thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye.